Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Buddy Bleckley, who is a commercial photographer based in Los Angeles, California. Buddy specializes in product and lifestyle photography and has worked with clients such as Ciroc Vodka, Primitive Skateboards, Huff Clothing, and Soylent, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Buddy about how he went from pursuing a career in skateboard photography to focusing his work to product photography and motion work. I also speak to Buddy about how he utilizes different technologies such as pneumatics and working with phantom cameras to capture more dynamic shots in his work. Buddy is someone who is always pushing his craft and trying new technologies, so I was excited to get a chance to speak with him. I hope you enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. All right, Buddy Bleckley, welcome to the podcast. Long time coming. Uh, how you doing today, man? It's been a crazy two months. Uh, how's, how's photo life treating you these days? Dude, I'm hyped to be here. It's been a very long time coming. Yeah. Uh, photo life's good, man. I'm actually still working right now. I have my home studio. I'm in it right now. It's, mm. it's not much different than how it was before quarantine for me, honestly. It's kind of crazy. Mm. But I've had, I, this, I've had the studio for like a year and a half. So I've been here working. Have you been like in contact with any of your like kind of reoccurring clients? Um, has anything changed really at all? Like have, have any, has anybody slowed down for you or is it, I know you, you're working on a couple of product shoots the last couple of weeks, but uh, that's one. Have you been in contact with people you work with regularly, I guess? The, the biggest thing that has happened was just like, it just takes longer to do stuff now. Mm for shipping and okay. all the other stuff. Yeah. But it's actually a new client I'm working with now that actually they're not new. I've shot for them last year. Okay. Um, but this is the first like creative thing I've done for them. Previously it was just like kind of e-commerce stuff. Yeah. Um, but this is the first, you know, creative shoot I've done with this brand. I, I feel like you're in a good spot right now since you already have your own studio and you have all your own gear, you can you don't have to go anywhere is that kind of like something you've been kind of marketing to clients to be like, Hey, uh, during this crazy times, like I got everything I need right here. If you need stuff pretty much. The only marketing I've really been doing for it has just been like on Instagram. Yep. And like posting what I'm doing on the day to day. I haven't done any like email blast or anything just cause I've kind of been steadily busy. Yeah. And also like, I don't want to overwhelm myself, yep. you know, Cause I'm working basically solo and with one of my roommates, he's my assistant Yeah. when I need one. Um, but stuff does take longer. So like, I can't, you know, try to take on multiple projects at once. Yeah. My space is pretty small. Yeah. So it's just a matter of like being able to handle how much I can handle mm -hmm. without over promising and under delivering. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's cause like, uh, yeah, certain projects you need assistance and stuff. Do you feel like even with this this product stuff, you a lot of times you still need an extra set of hands just for like props and stuff like that, pretty much. Oh yeah, no, I always have someone else on set just to either like hold something up or like hold a reflector, like help me with something, help me raise you know lights, you know, mm -hmm. raise backgrounds, and it just makes everything go twice as fast. Mm -hmm. Like yes, I can do everything solo all the time. The slower it just takes forever. Yeah. Yeah. And with the marketing stuff, I've just been kind of asking everybody and it seems like everyone's kind of on the same page. It's like, everyone's kind of in this gray area right now. It's like, if I spend all this time marketing, half the people aren't even in the office and it's like, 
damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of situation. Um, yeah, totally. Like, what are you kind of anticipating for the rest of the year? Uh, it's, I guess it's hard. No one really knows, but are, you think it's going to pick up, slow down? What Are you trying to like game plan? I think everyone can be slightly different depending on their situation. Yeah. But like I got asked about another job this morning. Yeah. Or it's like a granola bar company. Oh, wow. And I'm supposed to have like a creative call with them tomorrow to see what same thing, what's possible, what they want. Yeah. Um, so I think for the product people that I know, it's kind of just been roughly the same, you know, maybe a little bit slower. Yep. But now that we're like so far into the quarantine, I think that the agencies and companies are like settled in and like can start planning ahead. Mm-hmm. I think work will start to come back. Though a lot of the other work that I was, other work I was doing, but like the bigger shoots with celebrities and people and models and everything, I have no idea how it's going to work out. Like, yeah. yeah, it's going to be different. That's one thing. It's like, cause I mostly shoot people. So I'm like, Oh damn, like, how are they going to, are they going to keep doing portrait shoots? So it's hard to, hard to, hard to know. I think eventually it'll pick up and people will get a different workflow. It'll be different than before, but I, I'm, I'm positive that it's just going to come back. Um, but one thing I was excited to talk to you about, we kind of been texting back and forth about it. And I'm sure a lot of, um, people, freelancers like us, have been looking into it. Maybe they applied. I know you applied and you actually got approved. I think last week you got a paycheck protection loan. Um, I was curious, maybe you could talk about the process. Um, what was your kind of experience? Was it difficult to apply for it? Any advice you'd give to other freelancers that are thinking about applying for it? Yeah, I think I kind of got lucky with that. Yeah, I know a lot of people that applied either too late and they weren't accepting applications. Yeah, or just like kind of go back, like let's just kind of explain that the uh, paycheck protection program is basically like unemployment for small businesses. So like it's to keep yourself employed if you have any other employees on payroll and prevent them from going on unemployment. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, the loan is forgivable if you use that money toward payroll. Yep. Or 75% of it. Yeah, so I think it's like payroll, rent, this like yeah. business expenses pretty much. Yeah, and it honestly, it could change even after the money just like distributed, but I'm not quite sure. And when you applied, was it like a difficult thing? Like, did you have to send no, it took me, it took me like 10 minutes. Oh, 10 minutes, all right. Yeah, it was uh, like I logged in the Wells Fargo my, on my business checking account. And it's like a form where you, I uploaded my previous tax document and like all my invoice statements from last year. Yeah. It was like pretty easy and it was like I waited like a month and then I got an email saying like you have a message about your loan so I like opened the message signed one promissory note and the money was available the next day yeah but it's a blessing because I applied for unemployment originally mm-hmm. um, and I got like a hundred dollars a week for like a hundred forty dollars a week for the freelancer damn, damn. So it's like yeah you know, okay. Yeah, it's tough. It's I've been talking to so many photographers and like every state's so different. Like luckily I was in Massachusetts. It was like pretty quick. Uh, but then like talking like I know you and a couple of your other roommates and stuff in California was uh, a little more difficult. It sounds like obviously more people in California. But um, yeah, it's yeah. good to hear because um, I know I've been talking to a lot, a lot of other photographers. They've been looking into applying for that. But it's good to hear you kind of got a positive thing with the paycheck protection. So you kind of keep you going. And, and if people do want to apply, I think you can apply through PayPal and yep. Square. 
in yeah. like other online banking things if your bank is no longer taking applications. Yeah. So look into that. Right on. Well, that's good. And uh, I guess to go back, I was kind of curious, like I've known you for a while, but I realized there's a lot of stuff I actually don't know about you. <laughs> it's funny, we're, we're both from Massachusetts, but I didn't even meet you until I went to California. So it's uh, yeah. pretty funny, but I guess it's like- We're out of state for where, college. Yeah, where did you grow up? And like, how did you kind of get into photography initially? So I'm originally from Pembroke, Massachusetts, which is like basically between Boston and Cape Cod, like 30 miles down the coast. Yeah. Um, and like so many people on your podcast, I got into photography through skateboarding, mm -hmm. like everybody. Um, yeah. And it was basically started like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater just came out when I was like 12 or 13. And that's when we discovered skateboarding. And so me and my friends, you know, took our parents' video camera and like we're filming each other skateboarding. And then I either like, was either taking my mom's like disposable camera than like shooting skateboard pictures. Yeah. Um, and then she saw that I kind of like was into it. And so for Christmas one year, I got like a little Canon point and shoot, like six megapixel digital camera. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's like, um, the, it's like one of those tiny screens. You can't yeah. really see the picture on it. Yeah, a power shot. It may, <laughs> may have been four megapixels. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of, you know, taking pictures of my friends with that. And this was like before Photoshop, like, or anything. Yeah. So she saw that I was like pretty into photography and kind of pushed me in that direction. So she did some research, and this was when I was like 14 or 15, that my local college, the Art Institute of Boston, yep. was offering like pre-college classes. So I could go, you could go in on Saturday and learn like intro to black and white. And then like, you could learn, you know, like alternative processes or color printing or like they had a bunch of different little classes, you yes. know, some week classes. And I ended up taking about seven of those between like when I was like when I was in high school. Cause my high school didn't have a dark room. Like okay. we didn't really have like a photography program like a lot of schools do. Yeah. We had like an art program and like, you know, we actually learned some Photoshop stuff like in high school, but it was super basic. Mm. And then I took all those classes and that's kind of how I started photography. And at that point, did you even have a goal for the type of work you want to do? Like, obviously now you do a ton of commercial work, still lifestyle, um, portrait stuff, but like, was it, did you kind of have the goal to be like a skate photographer oh, for, yeah. a, for a magazine early on? Were you like, yeah, no, I had the, I've had the skate photographer goal up until like last year. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I moved to LA to chase that dream. Like, yep. um, and like all through college, you know, you need to take the classes they you know are part of your curriculum so you might take like a landscape class or like you know a digital printing class or like all these other classes yeah but it wasn't until senior year of college my like we were like no i want to shoot skateboarding i had this portfolio of like eight by ten alternative process prints that like i have zero use for like i'm going to shoot skateboarding all senior year yeah and so i shot like very much like lifestyle kind of like hipster point and shoot camera style stuff was your was there professors were they like cool with you shooting skating or are they trying to get you to shoot like other stuff it had to be like conceptual like it had to you know like show meaning and like it was very much like an art school it wasn't like a more like production based school it yeah. was you know like art like meaning you know galleries like photo book like that kind of kind of like what ed templeton does i guess you know <laughs> yeah or like um 
just all the, all the other skateboard lifestyle people. Yeah, I get it. And but, like, did you feel like going to school was like, did you get anything out of it? Because obviously it sounded like you, you, you already knew like early on what you wanted to do, but do you feel like even looking back on that experience was any, did you take anything away from it? It definitely taught me like to, to work hard towards a goal and like, while I probably didn't learn as many technical things in school as like I would if I went to like Brooks or like NISOP or like any of the other like more like two year intensive program based schools. Yeah. Um, it definitely taught me like work hard and a very solid foundation for like well-rounded photography. Yeah. Like I can still, you know, shoot an eight by 10 camera if a client wants me to for some reason. That'd be, that'd be dope, man. I hope you get that call. <laughs> uh, so like early on, were there like any skate photographers or cause back then now there's like only one skateboard magazine, but back then there was probably like three or four. Um, were there any like skate photographers that you kind of looked up to anybody in particular you think? I mean, there's like, that was like the golden era of like skateboard videos. Yeah. But like Atiba was king. Yeah. You know, he, he had all like the House of Blood Fisheye stuff, like Oliver Barton, also legend, like Joey Shigeo with all the Zero stuff was great. Yeah. But when, was in college? You, you, you may know, but the East Coast Magazine Focus skateboard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like even like the people who were in there, like Vander and like um, some other people in that magazine. I worked for that magazine for a little bit when I was in college. Just, like committing skateboard photos and like I was doing some web editing stuff and like writing articles for them. Yeah. And was it kind of like for Focus Magazine, it's like an East Coast driven skateboard magazine. Was this kind of, you kind of come up with ideas yourself or people you wanted yeah. to profile or did they kind of give you ideas or how did that work? No, it was 100% user submitted content. Mm -hmm. I think the people at the magazine knew that it was like kind of on its last legs, like, yeah. and like they were kind of, you know, getting older and didn't want to work so hard and they weren't like one person was in Florida, one person was in Philly and they weren't really part of skateboarding anymore. Um, but now it was just like me and this other kid, Steven, who lives in Florida, basically ran the website for like, you know, six months to a year. This was like in 2007. Yeah. You know, 2010. Yeah. Um, and then that's when I was like, all right, cool. Like I know this magazine isn't going to last much longer. I'm like, I want to move to California mm. and try to make something happen. Yeah. So once you got out of school and you moved to LA, like what did you kind of do when you first got out there? Um, did you go do any assisting or were you just really trying to like hustle and shoot as much skating as you could or like, <laughs> well, day one, I moved to LA. I totaled my car. <laughs> <laughs> hey, fuck you. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was like all my stuff in it. So, <laughs> That was like the biggest like surprise and like i moved out there and i had like or out here and i had like 1200 bucks in my pocket like i had nothing it was like it was enough for me to like get a cheap apartment or like sleep on someone's couch and so i, I knew that i had to like kind of start hustling like immediately um but i assisted in everything in boston i was probably in boston for like about a year after school before i moved to la Maybe a little bit longer, but back in Boston, I assisted. So like, I was very familiar with, you know, Profoto, Dynalite, you know, there really weren't like, maybe there were dedicated digital tech back then, but it was still like very early digital days. So like everything everyone I worked for was just like a portrait photographer or wedding, I would be retouching. Mm -hmm. This was when I was like 22, 23. 
And then, so I moved to LA, like I just took all the things I was doing in Boston to get work. I was like going to ASMP meetings, go to APA meetings, like just like emailing photographers on Wonderful Machine and Workbook and just like, hey, I just moved to LA, I'm looking for work. And I was working as an assistant, like the week I got to LA. Yeah. Did you get, like, did you get anything? I've never been to one of those ASMP meetings. Do you feel like those are beneficial? Because oh, they're it's, great. Good? Yeah. This for like getting assisting work and stuff? I mean, there's good to be part of the photo community in your town. Yeah. Um, ASMP is a little bit more towards like media photographers. Yeah. In LA, the APA is really big. So the APA actually has, you know, like artist lectures where like Art Stryber and his rep will come and talk and like, you know, answer questions and like do slideshows. Yeah. Or they'll have like photo contests where you can submit and they're big, big art openings. And it's just like being part of a community with photography mm -hmm. will keep you working it will keep you as a, either an assistant and as a photographer yeah just like knowing who's around and like utilizing all your resources because photography is a very lonely career yeah so just like going to like a meeting once a month and just like seeing your friends is great yeah definitely um, yeah it's always good just kind of hear how other people are navigating it um so when you're, you're kind of assisting and then at the same time you're trying to like shoot skating because like i think a thing that people don't realize with like skateboarding it's it's very different because you really ha you have to be a skateboarder and you have to it's, there's like a level of like respect you have to earn from like skaters to even like be able to photograph them pretty much so like when you're getting to L la there's all these big skate photographers who have been around for decades and you're just trying to get your foot in the door like who are you photographing and like what were you kind of doing that was like the biggest shock to me because like Boston, the skateboard scene is really small. Mm -hmm. So like you, you can go with any of your friends and like be fine. Yeah. But like LA took me like a solid year to get my photos run though. I did try to intern with a few magazines. So like when I moved to LA, it was right when the barracks bought the skateboard mag. Okay. But before they launched it. So like, Literally on the third day I moved to LA, like I interviewed at the barracks and they were still kind of like up in the air, like what they wanted to do. It's like, I waited a few months and nothing really happened. I actually tried to, I actually interviewed at skateboarder before they went out of business before I moved to California. Yeah. Um, but it was the same thing. Nothing really happened with that either. Yeah. It's cause that's the hardest thing. Like you could have the most amazing photo of like a really talented skateboarder, but if he's not a sponsored guy and he's not a known person, they just won't, they won't run the photo usually in the magazine. Like I remember. Yeah. And, I, unless, unless like the, the trick is so gnarly and insane or groundbreaking. Yeah. Or if it's something super unique. Cause I remember I went down to the skateboard mag and uh, I met with Grant Britton, legendary skate photographer. Yeah used to run trans world and he said the same thing he's like yeah it kind of sucks but it is what it is because that's how they sell advertising and i guess it's the same thing if you even think about just like any publication the reason they put yeah. celebrities on the magazine is because that's what sells yeah i mean it's probably the same with sports photography like you know if if, if you know the first place team is in the magazines yeah no, no one really cares yeah um so that's part of it but like also, there's just so many people out there making skateboard content. Yeah. You know, regardless of if they're like top in the industry or just like hometown heroes, like doing stuff. Like I heard Thrasher has a year's worth of content backlogged. Yeah. So like, cause it's just like, there's just so much stuff they can put out. 
Yeah, and their Thrasher magazine, they're the last standing print magazine. Their website's huge now. And yeah. it's, it's funny because like you and me grew up skateboarding and you'd be excited to get that VHS, VHS tape or like the DVD. And now it's like when a big part releases, it's on a website. So it's like a whole different thing. And yeah. it's like, so, I, I think about like, are there even that many like skate photographers still shooting skate photos? Because it's like, where do they yeah. live? It's like they go on Instagram or they, if you're lucky enough, you can get in Thrasher. But other than that, there's, I think maybe SBC, is that still around in Canada? But no, I don't think SBC is still around. There's, there's a couple of European magazines that are kind of popping off, but I think they probably only want to run European people. Yeah. Um, no, like in LA, like it's pretty, it's still pretty competitive with yeah. skate photography because there's people that like are now shooting not only the tricks and the skaters, but they go on tour and show the lifestyle photos. They'll shoot their lookbooks in the studio. They'll do everything, like product shots. So like if you're on a retainer with a company, like you're doing like everything. Yeah. Company. Yeah, definitely. Um, what is it about like skate photography you like, do you think? I know you don't do it as much anymore, but. Um, it's just like being part of that subculture and being around your friends and traveling and like not always getting into trouble, but just going different places and improvising and like just capturing these moments that like are very, you know, one time only moments. Mm. And it's just great. Like, yeah, it's, it's like a, it's a real like collaboration, like, especially like if you got like a good crew going skating out there and if you get accomplished something, it's like a pretty good feeling. Great. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess you're shooting skate photography. I noticed you actually got to, I don't know if you worked with Ty Evans. It looked like you worked on a project with him. He came out with like a We Are Blood and you you, photo, you photographed some portraits of him. And then I think it was yeah. in Transworld. Uh, what was that project all about? How did you kind of come in the mix? So that was in like, I think it was 2014. Yep. So I was living with Dave Baczynski and Tom Rohr. They're two skateboarders in LA. Yep. Basically one day Tom was like, hey, I'm gonna go to, basically to this big grass field where Ty, and I've never met Ty before then, is like prepping this RV for this movie he's making. And it's like the movie is like this big epic skate, like skate trip, not skate park trip, it's just like skate trip across the country. Was it sponsored by Mountain Dew? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mountain Dew gave them like a pretty big budget. And so I was like, dude, I want to go and just like take pictures of them, like, you know, prepping this RV. And like they were like, gutting it and like building bunk beds and like painting it black and covering in stickers and like yeah. getting everything ready for this epic, you know, cross country. I think it was a 50 day trip. Damn. And so I was just taking pictures, like helping them, like out gutting the RV and like painting it, whatever. And I sent all the pictures like that night for the next day. I was like, dude, thank you. You know, it's so nice to meet you. Like, you know, if you ever need anything else in the future, like, let me know. And then, I'm not sure if it was like a week later. It was very soon after that. He's like, hey, buddy, we love the photos, but like our photographer for the trip can only do the first week. Can you fly out and do the rest of the trip? Like, you need to leave next week. Wow. I was just like, dude, I'm so down. Like, this is <laughs> like, he's like, you're going to be on the road for 40 days. Like everything you're going to shoot is going to be on spec. We can't give you any money. Like yeah. I wasn't getting per DM. I wasn't getting anything. Yeah. So like I basically just flew, I think I flew into Washington DC to meet him in DC. And then like, I just got on the van, got in the RV 
Damn. And every day it was just like camera by my side, taking pictures of everything I could, you know, just shooting. I probably shot like 50,000 photos in the, in the month. Yeah. And where, then, where did you guys travel from? We went to, we did like 12,000 miles across the United States. It was insane. Ty is a very ambitious person. So it was like, I think we went into DC. Then did we go down to Tennessee? then back up to New York for a due tour, then back down to like Ohio and like Oklahoma. And we had to double back somewhere, but yeah. it, was, it, was, it was 40 days on the road. And then what do you end up doing? Like you said, you're not getting paid any money, but you're getting access, you can shoot. Um, what did you kind of do with the photos after the fact? I think some of them ended up being in an article with Transworld. Um, yeah, there's a Skateboard Mac article too. Okay. Um, so the... Photos kind of, they didn't really have any like set place when, when you're shooting them. Mm -hmm. Just how skateboarding works, everything's shot on spec. Yep. And then you, you sell the photos to the company that the, the skaters ride for. So yep. if you shoot a photo of, you know, Paul Rodriguez, you send it to Nike, the Nike skateboard team manager, and they go, oh, great, we need a Paul ad next month. Yeah. And they give you, you know, your $1,000 for the ad or whatever. Yeah. You really. So, you got to make shit happen yourself. It's like you're investing in yourself. So it's like, all right, yeah. I'm going to spend all this money to go across country. Now I got to like do legwork and try to get someone to buy it. Yeah. And sometimes like a company will contact you like, Hey, we know you're friends with this person. We need like An ad. one vertical ad and then like one detail of the shoe and then one other photo. Yep. And it's like, go shoot them. And they, they you're usually very open-ended. Yeah. So. And and like, when did you kind of make the decision? Cause I know like you're doing a lot more commercial work and product and lifestyle stuff. When did you kind of start like focusing more of your energy towards that? It was, so like after that trip, um, there was like three big magazines. There was Skateboard Mag, Transworld and Thrasher. Yeah. And then like, I think Skateboard Mag went out of business first and then Transworld went out of business and then it was just Thrasher. And like, while I love Thrasher, Thrasher has like a dozen staff photographers and it's so hard to get your photos run. Yeah. Like it just kind of looked like, hey man, skateboarding photography isn't really a career anymore. Yeah. It is if you hustle, like there are people still doing it. It's, it's just very, very hard. Yeah, it's super hard. Um, like impossibly hard. <laughs> and then that was kind of just like, all right, cool. Like I'm going to try to do either lifestyle or portrait because I was assisting in digiteching at the time. I have like a pretty wide range of skills and like can light stuff. And like, I've always been buying gear. So like, I've always had, you know, equipment to light, you know, like portraits and light products and like, just kind of be well-rounded. Yeah. We can see um, that from behind you, you got all the, you know, gear. <laughs> you know, all the gear in the back. Um, so after that, like when that moment happened, I kind of put together a portfolio book of, like skate lifestyle and a couple of test shoots I did. And then I was like doing the like uh, Palm Spring portfolio reviews and doing like, I think I went to New York for some portfolio reviews. Yeah. And like people were, you know, very excited with the work, but it really came down to like, who's going to hire you to do this? Yeah. Like all the people like photo editors that were talking to you was like, oh, you should send your photos to Thrasher. I'm just like, well, that's kind of what I'm trying to get out of. Yeah. I've heard that before. I'm trying to, I'm trying I to shoot Nike, trying to shoot, you know, for Adidas. Yeah, this goes back to say like like photo editors that don't come from skate world. Yeah. I think I think they think it's this, the mag skate mags work the same way and it's completely different. No, it's completely backwards. Yeah. 
And so what happened was I, you know, I was kind of sending an email blast. Like I was doing like marketing at the time and it just wasn't getting anywhere. Like I was still getting hired to do a little like side jobs here, like either shooting products or just like, you know, shooting little headshots here and there and still assisting in digiteching. Yeah. And then like, I was just like, I need to focus on something. And really it came down to like the product work that I was doing was the easiest way to go from like having no portfolio having a very well-rounded portfolio because there's no models, there's no hair and makeup. You just go buy the product, you shoot it. Do you keep on doing tests and tests? And then as I was posting that on Instagram, like all the tests I was doing with the product stuff, yeah. my skateboard friends that worked at the brands I was shooting for, like the tricks, yeah. started hitting me up to shoot the products. Yeah, because I think you ended up doing a lot, a lot of work for Huff uh, Clothing and the shoe yeah. company. Um, yeah, how is it? Was that kind of some of your first clients pretty much? It's kind of working with skate companies, but kind of- Yeah, like, like literally after like I posted, like I did like, you know, three or four tests and then all of a sudden like a couple of skateboard companies hit me up and then like I was working and making more money shooting products than I was shooting the actual skateboard tricks. Mm -hmm. I was still in the skateboard industry, which is, you know, cool. And I still do some, like some skateboard related product stuff. Yeah. Um, but primitive skateboards, big shout out to Oliver. Cause oh, yeah, he, like, yeah. So that was like a huge, like portfolio builder. They would basically just mail me skateboards and be like, yeah, just do whatever you want. Wow. And then like you, you have creative control over everything. So like on my website, there's, a, there's like a whole gallery and I probably shot like 50 or 60 different like setups for boards, like mm -hmm. over the course of a year. Like every season they would send me 12 board and I'll just shoot creative stuff. And they were using those for like marketing purposes for their salespeople mm -hmm. and like Instagram posts. And it, it eventually kind of came to the point just like, dude, like I need to make more money. Those, those like they're pretty low budget shoots. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you is like for people that are just starting out and you're first getting your first clients, like how do you even know how much to charge people? How are you approaching it? Or even, even nowadays you get a new client. It's always just like the guess of like how it's much am I? It's, it's the hardest thing. So how do you kind of approach those like dilemmas, I guess? Every, every shoot is different. And that's like the biggest thing I'm, you know, learning. And I, I don't have a rep. I don't have an agent. I do everything myself. Yeah. You know, if I want a rep to just deal with that for me. Yeah. But a lot of it is just working with the people you want to work with. And then like making sure that you can work within their budget. Like, yeah, you may, you should be getting like, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for big commercial campaigns, mm -hmm. but sometimes that's just not possible. So do, do you want, do you want the portfolio work or do you want to just, you know, pass along the client to somebody else? Cause especially in LA when it's so competitive, yep. like if you don't do it, somebody else will. And how do you handle like, especially with product, I would imagine you run into the problem of like, they come to you, they have these products, they want photographs. And then they'll probably keep like adding stuff on like, Hey, can you, can you do this one? Can you do this one? Like, how do you know? When to, Cause like you want to get paid, but then you want to keep the client like you say, but like, is that a problem you run into with product photography at all? No, that, that doesn't really happen that often. Yeah. Usually it's pretty, like I set, you know, pretty much like expectations up front. Yep. Um, it's just the job I'm working on now is pretty much like a rolling content creation job. Mm -hmm. just like whenever you get new clips, just send them to us. Yeah. So I'm to work on. And but like, yeah. usually it's just like, Hey, we have 150 like products to shoot Yep. on, on a white background. We need these, you know, in two weeks. 
Mm. Or just like we have these 10 items of clothing that need to be shot creatively and we need them in a week. So it's usually pretty laid out like that. Yeah. Because um, usually only so many items and companies aren't always coming out with new items so quickly that you can't shoot them. Yeah. But and, and what about like product photography? Like what do you enjoy about it? And do you feel like even within product photography, do you feel like you need to have a niche? Because I know like some people they get into like, oh, I shoot glass or I shoot liquids or I shoot food. Like, how do you approach it, I guess? Yeah, so I got into the product stuff because it was partially because I have a friend in New York, uh, his name is Josh Dickinson. Mm -hmm. I went to school with him and he's killing it in the product world. And I saw what he was doing. I was just like, dude, like I got to think of something else after skateboarding. And like, that was a very easy transition to do the product stuff. Yeah. Josh, thank you. Um, but you may not know this. I actually applied to school for engineering. Okay. I applied to one school for photography and one school for engineering. And I didn't get into school for engineering. So that's how I just got with me a photographer. Yeah. And I actually applied to RIT. Oh, wow. For engineering. Yeah. So yeah. we could, we could have been classmates, you know, <laughs> all those years back, but yeah. I in engineering school. Yeah. Like I've always loved building stuff and like taking stuff apart and figuring out how it works and like even like when I was a kid, like I would watch like the Discovery Channel all the time, not like sports or cartoons or whatever. It was just always like learning about science and building and engineering. Yeah. And that's, and that, why, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Cause like anybody go check out Buddy's uh, Instagram, which I believe it's his <laughs> at Buddy Bleckley. He's like doing all this stuff with like pneumatics and like building like robots and shit. So it's like all that stuff. Oh yeah. It's great. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm able to learn and build and like, play around with technology to make photography work in my favor. Mm -hmm. And that's great. And it's like, the more you can kind of innovate and do different stuff, you feel like it kind of helps you separate yourself from like what other people are doing so that you can kind of separate yourself from the, the pack and get work, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Like, I think the more specialized you are, the, the, the higher your, your worth is, mm -hmm. but the more likely you are to get work. Yeah. So I do, I still do get asked about like non-product jobs. Yeah. I just don't always post about them. Um, yeah. But now like, you know, people will come to me like, oh, like we know that Buddy has a studio. He's shot with these brands, like he can do this. So it's very easy, Not easy to get work. It's just easier than some other type of photography. Is a lot of your, a lot of your work now, this kind of word of mouth at this point, or like, do you yeah, do pretty much pretty much all word of mouth and, and me posting on Instagram, all the crazy <laughs> I'm building. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I'll, like I'll build some sort of weird contraption and I'll get hit up, you know, by a friend be like, Hey man, like we saw what you built. Like, can we use it for our brand? I'm just like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. And I saw, I think what, a couple of years ago, maybe a year or two years ago, you shot a huge campaign for Ciroc vodka. Um, it was like billboards all around LA. I think, I don't know if it was on buses all over the spot. Um, how'd that kind of project come about? Cause that's like a pretty big brand. So that was actually still through word of mouth. And this story is a little bit weird and I'm sorry to your viewers <laughs> about, about this story. But so that job was shot, um, was it 2018, 2018, I think. And they wanted to shoot between Christmas and New Year's for some reason. And so my friend, Mike, who I met like on a music video shoot, he was the DP for the commercial side of it. 
And Ciroc has their own photographer in-house, but he was directing the commercial, like the video commercial, and like literally like two days before they were supposed to shoot, like, hey man, like we're overwhelmed. Can you just shoot this for us? Yeah. And I'll put the Digitech on the job. I'll put like oversee photo and Digitech and assist on the job. Like, hey man, can you just shoot it? And the the only thing was it was all work for hire because it was like union commercial stuff. So it was like your this is your rate, like it's full buyout work for hire because it's a union commercial. Yeah. Like, do you want to do it or not? And like I still I don't regret saying yes, but it's such a big portfolio thing. Just like why would you not say yes to that big big of a campaign? And it was on a huge billboards and everything. It's like a name brand. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah. And I got paid like maybe two thousand bucks. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's a tough situation because it's like, I think, yeah, you got to do it. If you're just starting out, you don't have as much leverage, I guess. So it's like, yeah, yeah. You, now you have this sick piece for your portfolio that kind of gives you like, uh, I don't know, what's like validation, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's like photographer clout. Yeah, exactly. It's clout. It's, it's like, it's like where you're, you, you've proven yourself to be of a certain caliber. Yep. And I feel like that probably happens a lot more often than people like to admit oh all the time so like you know i'm okay talking about it yeah but it was just like hey you put the digitech it was like it was a pre-lit set yeah so the photos had to match the the, the still like the photo had to match the video exactly yeah like i couldn't even touch the lighting i could direct the gaffers and grips to do it but it was all union yeah so it was just like I didn't really have much creative control. They're like, here's your shot list. You forgot to do like light it and this, direct these people. And then do you, on a job like that, do you even handle the retouching or does this get passed off? So yeah, this gets passed off. Yeah. So I did do some retouching for um, Ciroc, not for that project. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think retouching is half of a photographer's skills these days. Yeah. So. Because like, especially with products. Cause I worked at Hasbro, the toy company for like a year and I was doing all the product stuff for like their website packaging and stuff. We'd shoot like Nerf guns. And then yeah. I literally, <clears throat> I got the job. I had never shot product in my life. I don't know how I got hired, but it was like, <laughs> I never realized like you see this picture of like a bottle or any product and like it could be 10 different exposures. Like they're lighting the top, they're lighting the bottom, they're lighting the side. And then they just blend it all together. So it's like, I never realized there's a lot more that goes into like these product shots than you realize from looking at it. Yeah, every, and like every, every photographer shoots a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. I, I think I'm actually pretty good about doing stuff and like getting the one product perfect and then comping in other elements of the shoot. Yeah. So like I might be able to, you know, like if I have a bottle and liquid exploding out of it, I'll get a hero shot of the bottle and I'll get a hero shot of the liquid and it's only like a couple plates. Mm -hmm versus like 10 or 12. And so. another big component of product photography is like styling. Is like, that's something like, do you work with like uh, food stylists or product stylists at all? Or how do you kind of approach that? Because it's like, that's like a skill within itself. I remember working on a Coca-Cola job and there was one guy and he's like, yeah, I'm the, I'm the bottle guy. That's like my expert <laughs> expertise. And he was making a bunch of money and it was just really wild, but like, how do you approach that aspect of like product? It's, it's half and half. So like sometimes, sometimes they'll like on a bigger shoot, if I'm like following video, mm -hmm. there'll be a whole product 
like styling team or like, cause that's happened on a couple of things where like there's been a video aspect I've been doing all the stills. Um, or sometimes I'll hire a product stylist and sometimes I'll do it myself. Mm. So it all depends on the complexity of the shoot and yeah. like how much, you know, their budget is and like what the creative direction is. Cause sometimes the shoot just a bottle on a background or just like a box of oatmeal on a background, like something basic. Yeah. And then we don't need like someone to be a stylist. Yeah. But when you have like all the props, especially with when having food on set, that's when I like to have a stylist because they know where to bring all the best fruit and like know how to cut it perfectly. Yeah. On the Ciroc job, I think there were like three beverage stylists. Like, like Ciroc has like an event production team and like they had like bartenders like making new cocktails every like five minutes, like with like the, you know, crazy ice sculptures and like perfect plants and like perfect garnishes and stuff like that. So, yeah. And uh, in terms of like, like style and aesthetic, like, is that something you think about a lot? Like even in terms of like your, your product photography, cause like I know some people they'll use natural light. Uh, some people use strobes. Um, like how do you approach this, like the style and aesthetic of your work and like, have, did it take you kind of a while to figure out like your voice, I guess? Um, I try to like just pay attention to like what's going on in photography right now. Mm -hmm. And like right now the trend is like very poppy colors. Like some people like what really want like hard light, like hard shadows. And you talk with your client and like see what they want with their direction. But I would say that my style is kind of like, it's not, it's like almost like perfection in the photo. It's like a perfect, you know, photo, everything's sharp, like, you know, everything's well lit and like the shadows aren't too like crazy. Mm -hmm. That's just a lot of product photography. And, yeah. you know, same thing, every job is different. So it's kind of hard to say, but I like the poppy colors. I mm -hmm. like movement. So like in my photos, a lot there's either, you know, liquid splashing or there's like stuff falling from the air or there's, you know, it's an explosion and movement happening. Yeah, yeah, I saw you did a recently you did a cool campaign for I think it's called Mush, which is like a oatmeal company. And like yeah. you're saying, it's like, I don't know how you do it. Um, you had like stuff flying all over the place. And it's, <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, with that shoot is that because I know you posted on Instagram, you're doing this thing called pneumatics, which maybe you could kind of describe what pneumatics is and like, how do you utilize uh, that with your work, I guess. So the most shoot, it was basically it's a prepackaged oatmeal, kind of like a yogurt. Yep. Overnight oats. And basically, I wanted the product in the center with the ingredients blasting from the side of an explosion of flavor, explosion of ingredients. Mm. And the, part of their branding and marketing was they only use like seven ingredients. So it was like it was trying to get as much of those ingredients into one shot as possible. And the, for that particular shoot, I wanted to be do a video aspect of it. I've been slowly building up a video reel. And so I need to figure a way to launch the ingredients at the product as it was, you know, launching in the air. Mm -hmm. And so I was using pneumatics and pneumatics are basically this um, air, like it's compressed air that will launch a piston. Yeah. So it's kind of like a, an air compressor motor or like kind of like, you know, like a jackhammer go up and down. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you can control how hard it will launch something and you use electronics to trigger everything exactly. So it's just a matter of figuring out a little bit of engineering and building together. So I can trigger you like one batch of oatmeal will fly from the left at one point, yeah. one batch will fly from the right. 
and that will launch the product up in the air. And then you time all together, you get this like perfect exposure of explosion of uh, ingredients and just looks pretty epic. It's, got, it's like a lot of, is it like a lot of trial and error with that stuff? Because it's not like completely precise. Cause it's like, you don't know, you don't know exactly how stuff's going to land or. Yeah, it, it wasn't too bad. Um, Cause you can control it. Basically the way I have it set up is I have each of the launchers on a little timer mm-hmm. that goes down to like the hundredth of a second. Yeah. And I would film it with my phone in slow motion. So I can see, and I would just like scrub through the portrait, like, all right, cool, that one's firing a little bit too early. And I actually had the camera all rigged up to the system too, so the shutter would go off at the exact same time every single time. Yeah. And it was, you probably get like a perfect photo like within like five or 10 takes. Oh, wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, and then like the rest of you just, you know, kind of Photoshop the best of them together and, and fill then, the gaps. And I know um, you've been working a lot with the Phantom camera which is the phantom camera. I've never used it. I know like basically nothing about it. Um, but what, why do you, what is it about the phantom camera you want to utilize it for? Is it something you do use it for only motion or still, or what's the advantage of using the phantom camera? Uh, phantom is, they're actually like scientific research cameras that film super high frame rates. So I have a phantom flex 2K, which will shoot 1500 frames a second at like 2.5K resolution. Mm-hmm. Or I can do like 2500 frames a second at 1080. And like, if you think about like, it's just to shoot really slow motion. So it's like the same camera that Steve Geralt's using. He's yep. using a slightly better 4K one. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's all for motion to film these moments that happen in a fraction of a second. If you think like, you know, liquid pouring into a glass and splashing or, you know, explosions and just like, all the food stuff where you see like a strawberry bounce off the ground and like a little drop of water go everywhere. It's all for motion just to do slow motion video. And are there like any challenges with working with a camera like that versus like a DSLR or like a red camera? Because I know uh, you've been actually like building your own lights, which is like crazy. Yeah. Uh, but what are like some of the challenges of using a phantom camera, I guess? The biggest thing is the light is because since when you do video the higher your frame rate goes the higher your shutter speed on the video camera goes yeah and so the more light you need so you know you're shooting at 1500 frames a second so your shutter needs to be a three thousandth of a second and then also that your lights can't flicker at all mm-hmm. so you basically need like super bright flicker free lights that are just either not commercially available or they're way too expensive to buy. Yeah. On a bigger job, I would rent them. But I've been, you know, following Steve Geralt. Yeah. On, on the episode, a couple, you know, twenty episodes ago or whatever. Yeah. And he was just building his own lights, and like I kind of was just like following along, like looking very carefully at what he was doing on Instagram, and I eventually just like started googling and like looking up YouTube videos, and I figure out how to build my own lights. Mm-hmm though I still haven't quite figured out how to keep them cool for a long time. Yeah. So I built these LED lights that are a thousand watts, which are basically about as bright as like a 6K tungsten light. Yep. So it's like super bright, but I can only keep them on for like a minute at a time. Damn. But the Phantom only records for four seconds because it records so much information so quick that it fills up a buffer 
in the camera. So like it only records for four seconds at a time. Wow. So, so, how, so that's gotta be another difficult thing. If you only can record for four seconds at a time, if you're trying to shoot like a, like a 30 or a minute long spot, how, you really kind of, what do you just have to kind of like storyboard it and be like, this four seconds is going to be this and this four seconds is going to be that. Or like, how do you approach shooting like a, a project like that? Well, so you, you basically need to, that, that's four seconds at full resolution at full frame rate. Yeah. But that four seconds at 1500 frames a second is 6,000 frames of video. Yeah. So that is like three and a half minutes of playback. Okay. So, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Cause it's, uh, yeah, that makes sense now yeah, because it's so fast. Frame so quick. Yeah. And really it, like, you know, when you're actually going to happen and you can set the camera to either record like constantly. So it's yeah. constant recording to an internal like hard drive, internal Ram. Yeah. And then it's deleting the previous second as it records the next second. Damn. So say you're waiting for an explosion to happen. Like you're waiting for a car to blow up. So the camera's constantly recording, deleting, saving, deleting, saving more information. And then once that action happened, you hit record and record the previous four seconds. Hmm. Or, or you can have it record the previous two seconds, the next two seconds, anywhere in between. Yeah. So you can program the camera like very precisely to fit your needs. Damn. So, yeah, so you're, you're, you're piling up hard drives on a sh anytime you're shooting with a phantom. It's just <laughs> one, 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 four seconds <laughs> for 32 gigs. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So like this, this one, Gum, like nicotine gum product I've been shooting for the past week or two is I'm up to like a terabyte just of just a phantom video and I haven't even started, started shooting stills yet for it yeah so the stills like it's it's insane it's a whole nother workflow that I'm like trying to figure out you know the best practices for yeah I have it pretty dialed down now like I have a, a raid server I have like a dedicated offload computer because it just takes a while to offload that much information. Yeah. So I have everything dialed in now. And like, how, how have you been kind of like educating yourself about all these different things like pneumatics and like learning how to build your own lights, like for any other people listening? Cause like, that's one thing I, I've always respected about you is like, you're always just like figuring stuff out. Is it just basically just kind of YouTube and it? Uh, you, YouTube and just Google. Yep. And, and then if you have a very specific question, like yep. I have reached out to Steve, Yep. And one of his employees, Matt, yep. about the LED lights. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, man, I'm having this problem with this light. Do you have any solutions? And they go, yeah, you need to run it off this. Or like just learning each process individually, like like learning how to solder, learning how to like like what pneumatics do, like in both air compression. And like right now, I'm just trying to teach myself more like building processes. Like I'm almost becoming more like a prop stylist maker. Yeah. Now using photography to document stuff. And like, do you have like a, a goal or like projects you're hoping to work on with like these new technologies and things like down the line? Is it because it's oh. like, because I think even like, I don't even think you've really posted any of the motion stuff on your website yet. Uh, no, I, I have a private link that I okay. send. Yeah. But it's, not, it's not quite ready to go live. Yeah. He's still working on it. Yeah. Yeah. And that I have all the motion stuff on my Instagram mm -hmm. for the most part. But what I really want to do is everything I've shot stills for over the past couple of years, I want to shoot a motion aspect to that. Yeah. Like just on spec. So that when I go and talk to ad agencies, I can be like, here's the stills I shot, here's the motion and I can get hired for both. Yeah. 
that was one thing I learned when doing the portfolio reviews is people do want to see both sides for product work. Yeah. So it's just having both those aspects. Like even though I shot that Soylent campaign two or three years ago, I still want to go shoot everything I shot as a still, but for the motion. Yeah. But just a matter of just like timing and like energy and motivation. and Yeah. You're, mo you're motivated, man. You're always grinding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because I think that's how that's how you kind of separate yourself is like using all those different things. Like I know, yeah, you're like I've been talking to you. You're trying to get super into the robot stuff with like the product stuff, which is like very, very expensive. But like, what is it about the robots? What what do they allow you to do in terms of product photography and things like that? So the robot is mainly just for video. Yep. So if you follow Steve Gerald or like any other like big product people like the Kaplan's, they all have these robotic arms. Mm -hmm. And basically it's to do, you can just basically move the camera around in like a 3D space and make the shot more entertaining. Cause part of the problem with the Phantom is to get any camera movement, your camera needs to move super fast to match the slow motion. Yeah. So like, you know, if you have a dolly pan at 24 frames a second and it goes a foot, that needs to go a thousand, like a hundred times faster to get the same effect at slow motion. Yeah. So the robot just allows you to move the camera very fastly and precisely and repeatedly. Yeah. So it's just moving the camera properly, but they're like about a hundred grand. Um, a lot. But it's just it's a major expense and that's like a five year goal. You'll, you'll It'll probably that. happen before then. Yeah, knowing, knowing my my drive, <laughs> <laughs> definitely, man. I, I've talked to some people recently about it, and like, dude, you, like, you basically just need to buy the best one, and all the other like cheaper ones on the market, just like don't even waste your money. Like, yeah, just like just buy the best one and just like build your work around that. Yeah, it's kind of how you set yourself apart. Is like obviously you got to be have creative ideas, but then being able to like utilize new technologies because like that's yeah. kind of gives you another leg up like because advertising agencies are always looking for new ways to like shoot uh, shoot their work or this kind of like show their products and whatnot yeah uh, it, yeah it's tough and uh actually in terms of like marketing and stuff i know recently you've been doing some cool like youtube videos and people can go on there and you were showing some of the projects you've been working on um is that something you think you'll do more of because i think it's like that's like okay. the for sure it's the hardest thing as a photographer and i think i've been trying to do different stuff too is like people get set in their ways is like i do print mailers i do email um but do you do you feel like using utilizing youtube and kind of showing what you're doing um will be a good way to market your work to clients you think yeah no totally i think part of the problem like i can show you an epic video reel yep but part of it is showing like how it was made yeah the client understands like why it costs fifty thousand dollars for a commercial yeah because it's like oh we need this many people on set like it's this you know expensive camera like explaining that process i think is a huge benefit to making those videos yeah i think i think it's smart and i i was kind of closed-minded for a long time because i was like ah it's kind of weird like putting yourself on youtube it, it's, it's so hard to do it is really hard to do, but I think there, there is, there's, you can go on YouTube and there's so much content in terms of like photography. There's like a million like camera reviews and tech yeah. stuff, but in terms of like commercial and editorial about what we do, very little. So I think it's like an avenue of like, I'm going to try more, see how it works. But I think it's kind of like a, 
it's a really good avenue to show exactly what you do and to kind of separate yourself. Oh yeah, yeah. And like the, I made like basically I did a YouTube video a week at the very beginning of quarantine, mm -hmm. I a video a day. Yep. And it was so much work. Yeah, it's a ton. <laughs> it was, it was just like to film it, shoot it, edit all in the same day. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, I can't, this isn't sustainable. Yeah. So like, I want to do more like focus videos on like certain, you know, shoots or whatever. But the problem I've been running into now with doing future ones is it's hard to focus on the shoot you're doing. Yeah. And also plan the other YouTube shoot. Mm -hmm. on, like the behind the scenes. Yeah. So I do have uh, a bunch of footage from the shoot I've been working on for the past, you know, couple weeks together. Mm -hmm. just, I just kind of, you know, narrow it down and fill in the blanks and, and, and I also filmed some other stuff recently that didn't really work out, kind of like discouraged me. Yeah. So it's just like a matter of like realizing not every, not every video you try to make is going to work. Oh yeah, definitely not. It's like, it's just trial and error. And it's just like anything, you're going to get better at it. You're going to figure out how to like, yes. Yeah do it better and quicker and you get you have more of a plan going into it because that's like yeah, yeah. even me like you 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 gave me advice of like i never really recorded these podcasts on video and i did my first one and i like uh added photos to it and so people can see what they're talking about and it was uh the first one took me a lot of time but i think i'll i'll get it down to a system where i can work quicker oh, yeah yeah no it's, and it's totally worth it for you know the viewers to have like that extra level of experience. Mm -hmm. I know that when I was listening to your show before, it was just like I was on the photography website, look, looking at the projects and like, yeah, you know, it was, you know, it's a great way to show people's work and yeah. talk about people and also interact with your viewers. Yeah, any way you can get your name out there the best. Like if you can afford to do workbook, do workbook. If you can afford to go to portfolio reviews, do portfolio reviews, but it's just like, do whatever you can. It's like, uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, and in terms of like, uh, what, what do you like about shooting in the studio? Do you still like going on location at all? Um, could you, would you say most of your product photography is all in the studio? I like shooting in the studio cause it's, I can control a lot of things that sometimes you can't control on location. Yeah. So like I have all my gear here. I have a small little wood shop outside where I can like build stuff. Mm. Um, the biggest thing I'm running to is the space, like I want a bigger studio. Yep. But it's just kind of scary right now to try to get, rent a bigger studio. Yeah, yeah, you don't know what it's gonna be like. Another good thing, being having your own studio, I don't think you do a ton, but you do a little bit. You'll rent gear to other people. So it's like- Yeah, usually yeah, it's just like homies will come by and it's like, hey man, can I borrow a pro photo pack in a head? It's like, yeah, sure, come, come grab it. Yeah, it, but it's like another, av another avenue to make so, a little bit of money probably, even when you get a bigger studio, but- yeah, usually, usually it's like people borrow it, but homie, homie, for free. <laughs> Too nice. So I man. did. I if I do ever assist in Digitech still. Yep. That was that's a way that I can like double and triple my rate. It's just bringing the full kit, like bring all the strobes and lights and laptops and everything like ready to go. Mm -hmm. But I haven't really assisted like much this whole year. Yep. Even like last year. Hey, that's, been... what I was doing. that's what I was doing when I was coming up. Was like, no, I have I have four C stands. I have you know a Digitech laptop. I have all this stuff. If you need to rent it for your shoot, mm -hmm. like that is a good way to like make more money if you're an assistant is to start buying gear and renting it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I guess like in terms of like what kind of stuff are you hoping to work on uh, going forward? Like you, you got a lot, you're always working on cool projects and stuff, but like uh, what, what's next for Buddy, man? 
hopefully I'll be able to get this phantom video reel out in the next month or so. Have some more video shoots. Um, it's really hard to tell with what's going to go on quarantine. But I do want to do like a proper email blast, like or postcard mailer. Yeah. Um, it's just, I don't know where to send stuff right now. Yeah, nowhere. No one's in their offices. A lot, a lot of people are laid off. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It's kind of hard to say what's, what's up next. Yeah. I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing, and I'm always working on something. Yeah. You know, learning stuff, keep myself entertained. Yeah, man. Keep building. And uh, I guess my last question, what advice do you give to, like, uh, younger photographers that might be interested in getting into product photography or still work? Um, what are like some skill sets um, you should work on, I guess? I, I recommend that every photographer starts by assisting. Yeah. Like just reaching out to other photographers if they need help on set. Same thing, it can be kind of hard right now. Yeah. You know, if they need help. But then just watching YouTube videos on like videos, like I'll even watch like videos that I've either know exactly what they're gonna do. You may learn something slightly different. You may learn a different technique. You may learn something that's faster or better, like a new piece of gear that, you know, will make your job easier. Yeah. And then it just, like, just start shooting. Like, that's all it is. You know, you got to start somewhere. Don't talk about it forever. Just start and go. Get that momentum. Yeah. But anyways, buddy, it's a pleasure talking to you. And for people listening, if they want to check out more of your work, where's the best place for them to go? You can look at my website at buddybleckley.com. And then Instagram, I'm always posting on my stories and fun, creative stuff. Yep. You should follow me on there. And then on YouTube, you got some cool videos. Is this Buddy Blackley? It's not yet. I need I need more subscribers All to, right. to get a custom URL. Oh, shit. So if they yeah. want to search you, you just got to type in Buddy Blackley? Type in Buddy Blackley. All right. Pick them up. Cool. Well, can't thank you enough, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, man. So there you have it. That was the Buddy Bleckley interview. Just want to thank Buddy so much for taking the time to call on the podcast. It was a real pleasure talking to him about everything he's doing within uh, product photography and uh, how he use, utilizes all these different technologies such as pneumatics and working with the Phantom camera. Really interesting stuff. So definitely go give uh, uh, Buddy's website a check out. It's uh, BuddyBleckley.com as well as his Instagram at BuddyBleckley. Lots of cool behind the scenes uh footage of all his uh, product shoots and whatnot and as always i'll be posting weekly podcasts on itunes spotify as well as our new youtube page it's uh, the photo banter on youtube i kind of edit all the podcasts into video format uh and insert different pictures and so you can see each photographer's work while you're listening and watching it so definitely go check that out on youtube and as always um it'll be on my website as well alexgarnierphoto.com and on my instagram at alexgarnierphoto Thanks so much for listening and take care.